I saw someone drawing at a conference, making visual summaries, and I thought, wow, that's the coolest job in the world. My mission is to make visual storytelling accessible for anyone in the world. I contacted a few rock stars about visual storytelling, like Ben Crowder, Ted Martinez, and a few other people. And I asked, well, I have this idea. It's maybe a crazy idea. I don't know if it's going to work. And that's how I came up with Joyfy. From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks, today we're joined by a very special guest on the Superpower School podcast. I have a female entrepreneur who has gone from a non-tech background into starting up her own tech company, and she's based in Belgium. And I have the pleasure of meeting her because we are meeting at the International Sketchnote Camp Conference over in Leiden is in the Netherlands. So I'm super, super excited to welcome Axel Van Kwai. Hey, how are you doing? Patrick? Hi. Hi, Paddy. Thanks. I'm doing good. And thanks for inviting me for this podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Did I get your surname right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's uh, closer than anyone else got in the file. That's good because <laughs> I have been known to get people's names very wrong on this podcast. Oh. So uh, I'm glad we got that right. I have a very difficult name. <laughs> <laughs> so Excel, like your background, when you and I were talking previously, you mentioned that you never saw yourself uh, as a tech person and all of a sudden you've won this award. So could you tell us a little bit about your background? Like, uh, where did you start? And it'd be great to know what you're doing at home. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe first, before our expectations are too high, it was not really an award. It was kind of a nomination in a magazine, but anyway. <laughs> It was very special already. So my background is really something different. So as a, from study, I'm a social nurse. I have chosen for that study because I wanted to help people and I wanted to travel around the world. I thought if I'm a nurse, I can work wherever in the world and I can help people. So that's how I started. But I'm very eager in learning. I'm always evolving, developing myself. So I ended up being a communication specialist, a human resource specialist. I became a consultant. I saw someone drawing at a conference, making visual summaries, and I thought, wow, that's the coolest job in the world. I can travel with that. <laughs> and I'm helping people to remember their message better. So I went to a training and I learned that. And I started doing graphic recording 12 years ago. So that's the background of the last years. And then, of course, COVID came. Mm -hmm. And as I was traveling around the world to visualize meetings and conferences, my agenda was, of course, wiped out in less than two days. <laughs> right. I had nothing to do. And in the beginning, I enjoyed it. But after a few days or weeks, I was really getting bored. And I was thinking, okay, my mission is to make visual storytelling accessible for anyone in the world. So I wrote a book, but that's clearly not enough to make people become a visual storyteller. So I was thinking, how can I make visual storytelling more accessible? for everyone, also people without a budget or without the talents to draw. And that's how I came up with Joyfy. 
So it's a platform where people can create their own visual stories without having to draw. And it's from that perspective as an entrepreneur that indeed I was nominated as Tech Woman of the Week or of the Month, which was really funny because, (laughs) of course, I learned so much about tech last three years. Incredible what I learned. But from background, I'm not a tech person at all. So my good friends, they thought it was quite funny to see that (laughs) as a title on my face. But anyway. Well, in my eyes, you're a tech person. (laughs) I think somebody that can take an idea and put together a team and build a business and a tech platform like you have certainly qualifies, I think, as a tech (laughs) entrepreneur. So I'm really interested to understand from the moment. Well, actually, how did you get the idea for Drawify in the first place? I mean, I know you were talking about you'd written a book and that wasn't enough to be able to help people with visual storytelling. So like, what was the, the next step after that? Well, the first seed was planted two years before COVID, more or less. I was training, I had a client where, which asked me to do uh, drawings. He was a, a serial entrepreneur, a young guy starting startups. And he had a management buyout and he wanted to have a drawing for his uh, startup. So he became a client. And then shortly after that, he came to one of my trainings and he wanted to draw himself. And after the training, he said, oh, I want to chat a little bit. And we were fantasizing. Canva was just starting up. And he said, imagine that you could do a kind of Canva for the visual storytelling fields. And we were fantasizing. So we were just brainstorming. Oh, yes. And this and that. But then, of course, like I said, I wasn't really busy. I I didn't have any brain space to think about something new. So when COVID happened, I I suddenly was thinking about that conversation. I was thinking, oh, man, I had that very interesting conversation with that client who I didn't hear back since then. I'm going to contact him. So I sent him a mail. He responded in one hour. He said, let's talk today. So we had a chat. We talked about the idea we had two years before. And that's how we got started. And then very fast, I'm super grateful for that. I contacted a few rock stars in the world about digital storytelling, like Ben Crothers, Heather Martinez, and a few other people. And I asked, well, I have this idea. It's maybe a crazy idea. I don't know if it's going to work. I, I can't pay you anything. That's how it's going to work. Do you want to join? And 15 people said yes, but wow. really big names in the, for me, big names in the field. And that was so powerful because if you start an idea and there are 15 people around you saying, yes, we go for it, that really helps to get the idea yeah, in the air. <laughs> so to be able to secure these 15 thought leaders, did you take a certain type of approach to convince them to come on board? I know you said, hey, this is my idea and I don't know if it's going to work, but Did you have an approach that you had thought about? Maybe a visual story yourself? Had you created anything like that? Or what was that sort of approach there? Because I always think about when I'm trying to entice guests onto the podcast, especially some of the, you could say, more famous thought leaders out there, some of the famous authors, I find it really difficult to (laughs) attract those sort of people because a lot of them are looking for podcasts that have hundreds and thousands of of downloads and Mm -hmm. I'm just not in that space. So it's always interesting for me to understand, like, how do you persuade people to buy into your idea? 
Well, you had a very good session this morning. People, of course, from the podcast don't know. But you told us that people buy or decide with their hearts. So I, of course, because I'm quite some time in the field, I met a lot of people and I, I reached out to the people I like and to the people I had a connection with. And I have the chance that those people are very nice people and also told leaders. And so I've really started with all the people. I said, okay, who do I know? Who is nice to work with? Is nice personality? Who has some knowledge or talent that could really help the platform? And then I, of course, I made a visual presentation. I made some estimations about what they could earn, which by the way, was completely wrong. It was way too much. So I promised them all things that I, I couldn't live up to. But anyway, that's sorry for that. But anyway, so I, I've chosen with my heart. I really chosen from a connection point of view. So yeah, that's something I did. That's amazing. You were authentic in your ask because yeah. you said it with such emotion and feeling. And then I guess those sort of people, they find that irresistible. Like how could they possibly say no <laughs> if someone's asking them so nicely, which, which is wonderful. And so going then from getting people on board to securing funding, getting a team set up, like yeah. how did you go about that? Yeah. So I w we were lucky Rafael, so that's my co-founder who was also my client. He knew a team in Sri Lanka who was equal trust. They were, it's amazing. They have treated Royfile like their baby. It's Unlike any other tech team, I think they have given their lives for Droify and they have to work basically like a lot of Droifiers have worked with us. They've given so much without getting a lot back. So I don't know how that's, I don't know how we did it, but it's incredible how much we could do with a, a low funding. And then we did, yeah, we had, we put a lot of money ourselves in. So that's the money I, we earned by, while things were really going well put a lot of that in the company, of course. And then we had business angels and we had a crowd lending and all smaller amounts, let's say. We didn't have big investors till now. We are looking for big investment for the future, but we all did it with small amounts. And then of course, revenue also, this revenue coming in, which helps. So yeah, we're a lean startup. It's very limited to the amount of funding we have, but what we did with it is amazing. That's phenomenal. And yeah. I guess on that journey, did you have to pivot at any time? Oh, and yes. if so, could you <laughs> give us some examples of when you've had to make those tough decisions? Yeah, we've pivoted a few times also on, on our architecture and, and platform itself. So we started with something that was really bad, full of bugs. Um, yeah, it was terrible. So we had to rebuild very fast. After six months, we had to rebuild the platform. Because we just started, so we see, okay, we'll see what happens. And it wasn't good enough. So we had to rebuild up six months. And then we pivoted a few times in how to position it. And recently, where we thought in the beginning was more going to be like a database of visuals that people would use to create a visual story. Now with everything that's going on in the field of generative AI and the journey and all those, a, a database of illustrations is not relevant anymore. So we had to pivot really fast towards creating visual stories that people can just, so not the illustration is not important, but the story behind is important. So, and we were not yet ready for that. It was something we were going to do in the, in the far future. And we pivoted in two, three months, last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And so we just launched Maya, which is a result of that. So yeah, we 
since the world has changed so fast, you have to change constantly with the world. And that's really challenging. <laughs> Got it. And also really exciting. Now. Where the platform is right now, mm-hmm. if someone's listening at home thinking, well, Drawify, visual stories, like, could you explain like who might get use from the platform Yeah, and what problem it will be solving for them? Yeah. The biggest problem it solves is that it turns something complex content into something very simple and visual. Mm -hmm. So like you said yourself, uh, we are getting information all the time and too much information is text and it's not visual at all. So it's very hard to capture. So if you have a message to convey, if you have a change to announce people to involve, you better be visual and you better use something that touches the heart of the people. But Yes, most people can't draw or they don't have the courage to do it. So they can put their content in the platform and it translates into a visual story for you. So you get a summary of your content in a visual way. And so before you had to do it yourself, but now it's um, done by our intelligent assistant. So you can basically put a very difficult note in it and you get a summary in a visual way. So you can present it immediately to the people you want to convey. And that's Maya, you mentioned, that's Maya, is yeah. your new AI yeah. Yeah. extension of, yeah. of the application, yeah. which, is, which is phenomenal. And I, I guess if someone's thinking, well, surely I can do this in PowerPoint, I can take stock images, I could somehow create and craft a visual story through using stock images. How does Drawify give you the additional benefit? All the images in Drawify are, by the way, made by through people, through artists, the, the community behind the platform. And we all know that uh, an image, so a drawing, mm. handmade drawing, is much more appealing than a, a regular stock image because it's more simple and apparently the brain processes it much easier than a normal picture. So the fact that it's hand-drawn appeals much better so that's a big advantage. Uh, and also, yeah, slides. So if you're talking about PowerPoint, it's linear, it's tight. Where we generate one pages where you see the connections between the different parts of your story, which is also our brain is not linear, but we present everything in a linear way. So by making it more visual as visual story in one pager, you see the connections instead of one linear story. So that's another way. But I think the drawings, the reason why the demand for drawings is increasing is because it's reducing a lot of yeah, complexity. If you can draw it, you can tell it. So that's, you can explain it. And you mentioned you've got 15 plus thought leaders. Yeah, now we're 40 already. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now it's up to 40. Okay. Yeah. And so each one will have their own style. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that might well appeal yeah. to people as well. Yeah. Say, yeah. I, like Ben Crothers' yeah, style yeah, or you know, exactly. Heather Martinez's lettering yeah. style. Yeah, indeed. So you can indeed, and that's some people are just a big fan of someone on the platform and that happens all the time, which is great. So they can say, okay, yeah, I like Ben or I like Olina or like Martina or whatever. It doesn't matter which name. <laughs> and I want to create my, my infographic or my visual story in his style or her style. And then you can indeed choose and, and adjust it in that style. As a female entrepreneur, you know, there's probably other people out there, females who maybe have ideas, but never quite had the guts to go forward with an idea. Like what advice would you have for somebody who's contemplating going down this entrepreneurial journey? What are the kind of two or three big lessons that you've learned that if you could 
look back and tell yourself these lessons? Dream big enough. I see that we, I, I don't want to, I, I don't think there's one type of woman. And in general, I'm not a women, man thinker. So mm -hmm. I, I don't like to make, but what I see that I do, and I recognize it with a lot of, of other women is that mm -hmm. we think very often too small. So if you can do 50% of what you should do, we see the 50% we don't do. And I see a lot of male entrepreneurs, they see the 50% that they don't care about the other 50%. So they just dare to think bigger and dream bigger than a lot of women. That's what I see. I don't say everyone is the same, yes. not at all. But it's something, so dream big enough. Mm -hmm. Dream big enough. So that's certainly something. And then a second one. I very often get the feedback I'm too authentic and too honest. That's something I too get. Too authentic and too honest. Wow. Yeah, that's something I get every week. As the feedback. And it's not helpful if you want to pitch. <laughs> right. Because if you pitch, hmm, they are not looking for the honest version. <laughs> they okay. are looking for the inspiring, um, promising version. So that's something I would also say. Mm -hmm. Be honest, but focus on promising and on the positive and not on things that might go wrong. <laughs> because that's not what is selling what you're doing. So that's not a thing. The third one is probably make sure you have the right people around you because mm -hmm. it's impossible to do it on your own. And it's so much more fun when you have people around you that elevate you, that make you love, that like to make fun. Without them, I wouldn't survive for one week. Really, I have so many wonderful people. It's not a female thing. It's the same for, for men, I think. But it's really important to have the right people around you. Right. And it doesn't have to be employees, but can be whatever kind of people that support you. That's really important. Without them, it's, I, for me, it would be impossible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a really good point because I always think I want to surround myself with positive people. Yeah. So then I feed off that energy as well. Yeah. And in the past, I think I wasn't quite aware mm -hmm. that if you are in a group of people that are quite negative, they will drag you down as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you've found your crowd of people that are yeah. elevating you. And so you're, you're feeding off that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of them. If they are. I mean, it's very exciting. The journey as an entrepreneur and I love it and I learn every day, but man, it can be so hard. Some days it can be so challenging. In what way? Oh, in so many ways. <laughs> so it, you have, yeah, like in a tech space and that's something I had to learn. I didn't know that. Things will always go a little bit wrong. It, it, it's impossible to build something and especially not a web-based thing because the web changes every day. So your program can work one minute and the second minute doesn't work. So you have to hear, hear what's going wrong. You have to immediately solve it. So that's part of the game. So it's sometimes, yeah, you have to deal with a lot of problems and you have to solve constantly problems. So it's not always easy. And especially with a startup, it's always demanding. You have to go so fast. You probably don't have enough resources very often. Yeah, it's just, a, it's challenging. You have to pitch thousand times to get a positive result. You have, you have believers, you have non-believers. You have people leaving the team, whatever. You have so many things. And because you are a small team, you have to deal with, you have to deal with a small team. If you're a big company, you have your responsibility and that's it. In a startup, you have everything. Right. So. It's very fun. It's very 
yeah, inspiring and energetic, but it can also be hard. So if you have then negative people around you, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> so something I've heard from some entrepreneurs is that one of the big lessons they learned was, although they're really passionate about the idea, they should have been a little bit more hands-off on certain aspects. And what I mean by that is, for example, I, I had a conversation with one entrepreneur a few years ago and his startup failed because what he found was everyone was too dependent on him mm -hmm. because nothing would get done without him being there. Mm -hmm. And he was so into the detail mm -hmm. that actually if you focused on elevating the brand forward yeah, and yeah. thinking more strategically, yeah. it would have enable the, the, the team to sort out mm -hmm. that low level. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Because you can't be everywhere at no, the same time. No, no. Have you found that at all? Yeah. I don't want to be, uh, on the hands-on work to be honest. I'm uh, some years ago, I did a, like a, a strength test or talent test and my core talent is strategy. So I don't want to be there on the operational stuff. Unfortunately, I have to be sometimes because I just don't have the stuff to do it. Right. But I follow you completely that uh, as soon as you grow, you have to be able to, to delegate that. On the other side, what I learned is that sometimes you have to do it yourself first to mm -hmm. understand what you have to delegate. Had something I learned last year about the very specific thing, marketing. I didn't know anything about it. I delegated it. It's very hard to delegate something if you don't know what do you have to delegate and how you can follow it up in a correct way. So that's, even if you don't do it yourself, you have to, at least to understand really well what the other person is doing. That's also a challenge if you're not tech and you have tech team. But yeah, of course I have other people who help me with that. You can be on the operational yeah, stuff every day. It's a really interesting point you, you raised there because I remember when I first started my career and I became a programmer. Oh yeah. And I'm not a very good programmer. I should never be allowed to program probably. <laughs> but at the time I was like, well, why am I doing this? Yeah. I mean, I quite enjoyed it because it was problem solving and it, it really did challenge me and I was able to be creative, but I never thought of myself as a very good programmer. Mm -hmm. But I was so glad I did it because I, I did it for about two to three years. Mm -hmm. And I was doing some quite hardcore programming. It was C programming at the time. and oh, yeah. I was working on interconnect billing systems for a big telecom company <laughs> and there were lots of calculations and algorithms that we were trying to implement. But then as I've gone through my career, because I've had to work with tech teams, just having that appreciation, mm -hmm. if nothing else, just the appreciation for that particular skill set was mm -hmm. invaluable because mm -hmm. I would then work with technologists who were having to code and just being able to speak the same language mm -hmm. exactly. was really invaluable. Yeah. And even with the podcast that I, with, with the podcast, it's really interesting because a lot of people were saying to me, Hey, like just get an editor. Like, why do you do everything? Mm -hmm. Cause I, I literally do the thumbnails. I mm -hmm. do like all the editing. I do all the social media, everything yeah. Yeah. Is, is on me. And now I've started to bring in like other people, yeah. I have an editor now who helps yeah. me. Yeah. But like you say, it's been invaluable for me to do it myself because I've figured out a good workflow myself. Yeah. Yeah. And then exactly. when the editor 
yeah. has come in, I've said, hey, like, this is exactly how uh, I would want this done. I've given them some very clear guidelines. And yeah, yeah. if I hadn't done all of that stuff myself, who knows what would have come out the other end. So I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I think I'm one of those people as well that I like to have a go myself first. Yeah. Just to appreciate yeah. the thing and then, then be able to yeah. sort of bring in someone better than I who can do it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Really well. Exactly. That's and then you also know which part exactly you have to de delegate because maybe there are some parts you're much better doing yourself than mm -hmm. other parts you delegate. By the way, you said something really interesting. You said in the beginning, why I'm doing this. Another advice, the fourth one then, for everyone, not only for female. Oh, you really have to stay connected with the reason why, because sometimes you will forget why you are doing that, why you're sacrificing your holidays, why you're whatever, sacrificing whatever. There's a, it comes with the cuts when you're mm -hmm. entrepreneur. You don't have a fixed salary. You don't have the certainty. You don't, you're giving up a lot of things you have as an employee. Mm -hmm. So you really have to know why you're doing what you're doing and stay true to that why and understand it and to see it at, at any point, it's crucial. I still have my poster and I have my brainstorm poster that I did when I started with Droify, my own brain dump. It hangs in my office and it stays there. Wow. <laughs> uh, and it's still relevant, but it, it reminds me all the time, okay, that's why I started. When I have a bad day, I listen. I say, okay, I'm doing this for a reason. <laughs> so that's really important. Oh, start with that. why and stick with why. Yeah, no, I love that because I think Simon Sinek, right? Yeah, he that's says, my biggest. Well, if I have one big idol, it's Simon Sinek. I want to spend one night with him on the bar, in the bar, <laughs> to talk with him. So if you've ever listened to this podcast, please find me. <laughs> Simon, if you're listening, dude, just come on the podcast. I would love for you to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's my biggest source of information <laughs> for many reasons. Yeah. Because he's quoted for saying something like, I can't remember the exact quote, but he, he does say like, if, if you have values like, don't let them be just a poster on the wall. You mm -hmm. should live and breathe them. And I, I think that's really interesting that you say you've still got your original why and it hasn't just become something that was forgotten mm -hmm. that you do constantly revisit it. And I, I think that's a really great thing to do. Yeah. Is constantly remind yourself of yeah. reason. And also whatever you delegate, I would never de delegate uh, contacts with users. I'm still getting all the support questions. I'm not going to solve them all. Right. But I see the feedback of users. Huh? I reach out to users sometimes. I do sessions with users, like conferences like this, that you can hear from people why they would use it. People use it already. As you get. So the connection with the end user and how you're changing their lives, that's crucial for me to yeah, keep on doing it because they give me the reason to continue. Yeah. Because they tell me, oh, you changed my life. I'm saving so much time or, oh, it's so much inspiration, whatever. But it gives me the feeling, okay, it's great what I'm doing. I have to continue. So especially the, not every day, but especially the days that sometimes you, there's so much talk, you don't see the road anymore, you know? So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. so my final question, yeah. you mentioned earlier, think big, dream big. Yeah. So where are you taking Royify? What's the big master plan? The big master plan, and I know some visual thinkers are not going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So, like I said, I believe that we can go a whole way further with visual thinking. There are far too many uh, meetings that need to nothing. Uh, there are far too many trainings that people forget everything that has been said. 
So I'm always thinking, imagine that you come out of the meeting and you get a visual summary. And I know that's what we do as graphic recorders, but we are expensive. It costs easily like, I don't know, $2,000 a day. So it's expensive. Not everyone can afford that. So imagine that you can have a, a smaller, affordable version that comes out of the computer after the meeting that everyone has a very clear visual summary of what has been agreed on and everything. That's when, in the end, I want to bring verify that there's no one making that report that no one reads of whatever 20,000 words or 20 pages. No one will read that. But if people get the summary in a visual way, they will remember what has been said. And I want to make that affordable to anyone in the world. And it can be a meeting, it can be a training, it can be whatever, a panel. And that's something I want to democratize for everyone. That's my biggest, my vision. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. And with the way the world is moving. Possible. Absolutely. We need a bit of funding <laughs> because everything is possible already. You only have to connect the dots, train the system, and we have the knowledge to do it. We Got only it. need the resources to make it happen, but it's possible. Yeah. Got it. And hey, I think you mentioned there, visual thinkers aren't going to like this, but actually... <laughs> No, but uh, a lot of people think they will become obsolete with that, which I don't believe because they will, being that person in the room who, co who connects the dots and make people think and facilitates a conversation, that's not something AI will take over, never. So we just have to reinvent ourselves and add more human mm -hmm. factors to our work, and then it will become even more valuable. I heard, by the way, Peter Diamandis, I don't know if you know him, it's a guru in the US about technology. He said, because of the human factor it's getting lost in a lot of AI, the human in the room will become more important. So that's where we can yeah, bring more value, I think. Yeah. Uh, as graphic recorders. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm not replacing. I'm just <laughs> making it accessible. That's all. So yeah. I, but I know there's a kind of fear about it now. I think it's just the fact that when things are uncertain and there's yeah. change happening yeah. without us having a clear path uh, or sometimes we feel a bit vulnerable because, you know, things are going to change, jobs are going to change, yeah. our responsibilities are going to change. I think that's a natural human instinct, yeah. isn't it, to yeah. fight the change. Yeah. But yeah. I think with all of these things, progress then brings some new opportunity and yeah. that's what I'm hoping with just general AI as well, yeah, that yeah. we don't just think it's going to replace the thing we're doing and then we don't evolve any further. Because yeah. actually, if it takes some of the hard work away from yeah. what we're doing, that's fantastic, right? If we can yeah. focus our efforts on things we enjoy that are going yeah. to add that value. So exactly. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's <laughs> been a pleasure talking to you. So I've learned a lot and I just think, yeah, glorify you know, we talked about it earlier as well at the booth who we came yeah. to your stand and you, you gave me a demo of Maya. <laughs> I, I love the name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, your AI extension that you, you recently launched. Yeah, super cool. I, I just think it's going to be really interesting how things evolve in, in this space. And, and as a visual thinker, I think any tool that helps visual thinking and bringing visuals to the masses uh, it's only a good thing because I mm -hmm. still think when I sit through presentations at work that are heavily text-based with 
tons of writing and paragraphs, it, it's a shame. And it's I think cruel. it's cruel. It's terror. <laughs> it's torture. It's, it's torture in, the, in that slang or. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So thank you. Thank, thank you for you. trying to change thank the, you. the thank world. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for inviting me.